1: Welcome to Adventist Voices Spectrum's podcast. I'm Alexander Carpenter, and I'm honored to be joined by Pastor Will James. Thank you for talking with all of us today. An honor. So we're going to be talking about community engagement. uh, But before we get into the ideas and practices associated with this uh, concept, I wanted to hear
0: about your journey.
1: How did you end up where you are today?
0: Well, I was a pastor for 45 years and, uh, the last 20 years of my ministry really got me going with, with community engagement. Um, starting up in, in Calgary many years ago now, um, we started a, a soup ministry, um, on the, on the downtown streets of Calgary. Uh, to minister and reach out to the, to the homeless that were there. And, uh, from that, uh, all through the rest of my ministry, I've, I've just seen the need for community involvement in reaching out to particularly the underprivileged and, and the outcast. Um, I've pastored for 16 years here at the Paradise Valley Church and, uh, started with community services Uh, when the recession started hitting. I knew it was going to hit my community hard because National City, where the church is actually located, is the second lowest per capita income community of of California. Uh, And so I knew there was going to be a a big need as this recession came upon us. And we, we started working with the food ministry and uh, put in a walk-in cooler, began collecting food from stores and working with food banks. That first year, we were giving away a 1,000 pounds of food a week and thought we were really busy.
1: Um, That's great. Today,
0: today, we're giving away 20,000 pounds of food a week to over 750 families. And so it has grown extremely, but through the food ministry, we discovered the refugees. And that is where our, my ministry focuses at, uh, currently. I, the, the, the food ministry and the refugee ministry grew so big that it was taking a large part of my time as a pastor. And I, I just felt that I wasn't giving my church its just dues. And so I was finally old enough and financially able to retire uh, four years ago. Now my wife and I retired and are spending full time uh, in our ministry that we have established. We call friendships for hope. Yeah. Um, as as I mentioned, we're still giving away twenty thousand pounds of food a week. Um, we have. A lot of people that we are touching. Uh, we we run an English language school five days a week. We have about uh, 20 refugee families that are participating in that. We have a thrift store that is a job training site for some of our advanced refugees, um, getting them ready to to launch out into the the workforce. Um, we have helped. Well over 150 refugee families become employable and uh, on their own, able to support themselves over the last 10 years now, so it's it's a very, very rewarding ministry. Let's talk a
1: little bit about that just so if I can ask a few questions. Refugees are in the news right now with Ukraine and of course. Um, It's a uh, perennial uh, experience for humans to be moving around the globe. Where are your refugees generally coming from?
0: Well, of course, we're we're getting word that the Ukrainians are on their way. Uh, We do expect to be seeing some of them showing up very soon. Uh, Right now, we have quite a number from Afghanistan. Um, We have had them from Iraq. In Iran and um, Congo, Chad, Rwanda, uh, many different African communities. We've had them from Bhutan and Nepal and Myanmar. Um, so, very much around the world they, they're here. San Diego says there's at least 250,000 refugees here in San Diego calling San Diego home. So, there's plenty of them here for us to work with.
1: Let's talk a little bit about your time as a pastor uh, before you retired and devoted yourself full time to um, all this work. How was it for your congregation to be involved in both helping the underprivileged? um in their community as well as helping refugees what what sort of um transformation did you see in the way that your congregation you know kind of defined itself thought of itself thought of its its witness in the world
0: it's that's an interesting question because uh when i first came to to paradise valley uh I described the church as really kind of floundering, trying to find its purpose and meaning. And uh, they they had been an institutional church. The Paradise Valley Hospital uh, was right next door to us for 104 years until it was sold. And uh, it was sold just after I arrived as pastor. And so now they 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 were kind of floundering because they were no longer attached to the hospital. Uh many of the hospital employees were no longer members of the church uh and vice versa. Uh so they they had no purpose, they had no meaning and I I began to to just focus upon a kind of a motto that I live by is if God shows you a need it's because he expects you to do something about that need. He's not oh, going to waste his time you to the need unless he wants you to do something. And so, if if you will step out in faith to meet that need, he will provide the resources. And uh, this ministry has really tested that uh, that theory, and it does work. Um, God has provided the resources every step of the way. Uh, And as we have seen needs and responded to those needs, whatever the resources are, become available to us. Uh, It's exciting to to just be partnering with God and and letting him lead. Uh, It wasn't something that I sat down and planned out. It was simply, here's a need, what are we going to do about it? And that's really how I presented it to the church, you know, starting out with, with the need for food for our community during the recession, you know, how can we best do this? And people volunteered and we soon had a, a team working regularly. Um, there's team working this morning as we're talking right now, preparing for tomorrow. Uh, we got a delivery of food in just a couple hours ago. Uh, from the food bank, and they're preparing it to give out tomorrow morning at at eight o'clock uh so it it has just grown as we've stepped through the doors and God has provided
1: you know that's one of the things that I have uh, appreciated about these type of ministries that gives folks who are part of a church a sense of what are we actually doing here, and you know. Folks who are involved in the kind of work that you're talking about can very clearly identify their role in the church. I'm the person who goes and picks up the food each week. I'm the person who makes sure that we have enough, you know, sort of logistics and, you know, handing it out, all of that. It really, I think, helps people understand what it means to be uh, kind of part of the body of Christ, interconnected, um, part of their community. What do you see actually? affecting individual folks, um, your members, as they become more involved in in this kind of work?
0: Well, I have said many, many times that this ministry has impacted my church and the members of my church much more than we've impacted the community. Um, Having a purpose, knowing that God is using you to touch the lives of somebody else, changes you spiritually. Um, it it just changes your whole life and your whole focus, your whole purpose, your, your meaning in life, all changes as you find that God is working through you. And uh, that's the most exciting part of it In from my perspective uh, is what it has done to the members of my church. And I mean... We have a large team of volunteers, never a shortage of volunteers. There's people clamoring to come work with us. We don't by any means say you must be a Seventh-day Adventist church member to volunteer. We have Catholics, we have Jewish people, we have uh, atheists, believe it or not. Um, many different denominations who come in and, and volunteer with us on a regular basis. Um, the Catholic priest in town actually said in one of his church meetings that the only church in town that's really doing anything for the community is the Paradise Valley Seventh-day Adventist Church. And some of his members came and started volunteering with us because of his statement.
1: That's great. What a great witness.
0: Our focus has never been on, on trying to convert people or try to baptize people. Uh, it has been on just loving people and sharing God's love with them. And the, the last several years of my ministry, we averaged 30 to 50 baptisms a year without even trying. Uh, we did not hold public evangelistic meetings. We did not coerce people. We did not try anything other than just loving them and inviting them to church. And they came and, uh, the Church has changed dramatically um we are now it was it was a basically a Caucasian church and a Filipino church when I came um Today, there are over sixty different nationalities worshiping together and uh at at one point in our ministry, we were translating into seven different languages over f m headsets. Simultaneously.
1: Um that's, that's incredible. That's really encouraging to hear. It Almost sounds like, uh, sounds like heaven.
0: It does. It does. We've often said that and it's, it's, it's exciting. You, you may not be able to speak to everybody that's there, but you can still love them. And, uh, love is, is a common language that everybody understands.
1: Yes, it is absolutely universal. I've got a question about the refugee work. I've done uh, some with a local church as well, and it involved partnering with a local nonprofit that was helping, uh, in this case, refugees from Iraq and Afghanistan. And then it also involved advocacy. We went together and uh, met with. Um, uh, we went, went to our local congressperson's office and met with their staff and talked about some needed changes that we wanted our representative to advocate for. And I'm curious, there's kind of the service component component that you're talking about, and then I'm curious, has you or your your members engage in any sort of local advocacy with the city, with the mayor or uh, with the other elected representatives looking for a kind of structural change?
0: Uh, yes, so we, we're, we're not heavily focused on that area, but we do advocate for our refugees. We do go with them um, and try to help them work through the steps necessary with the various agencies to make sure they're getting what they are supposed to be getting, and helping them to to get all the different services that are available to them, um, we we are very well known by the by the local mayor, by representatives in the area. Um, so yes, we are constantly advocating for them and for their need, and uh, it's exciting to see how God works. to to help us meet the needs of the people.
1: Uh, I agree. Um, Thank you so much for talking with me today. I just have one final question. It's been so encouraging to hear everything that you're doing. As you're looking at this model and and obviously you are devoting your post-retirement life to continuing investing in your community and being a witness for community engagement, What really gives you hope uh, as you're looking at your community, uh, I should say communities, your church community, your uh, civic community, and maybe even thinking more broadly about the future of the Adventist church, what sort of things do you think other churches could take from what you've experienced and, and find hope in?
0: Well, it's it's interesting that you ask that because I'm actually going in another week and a half to uh, to the North American Division um, Community Service Convention, and we'll, we'll be talking there about how churches can get involved. You don't have to be a large church. Uh, any size church can do what we're doing, uh, maybe not on the same scale but uh, you can, can touch refugee families in your community one-on-one. It, it's not something that is hard to do. Um, it's simply having your eyes open. And uh, if you see somebody in, in the grocery store that doesn't speak English and is struggling, you can, can reach out to them and uh, just try to, to touch their life in a meaningful way. The greatest need of a refugee is to have a friend, a family uh, they They have lost all of their connections uh, they are, they've left their family behind um, and they're they're in a strange country with nobody to help them and as as we just reach out and touch their lives and love them, that's the greatest need of their life. Uh, Probably the second need is to learn English. And we can do that one-on-one as well. Just speaking to people and helping them to learn the language as we communicate with them. Um, it's, It's a very easy process. But all you've got to do is love people.
1: Well, I really appreciate how you connect the big ideas of love and christianity with a very practical point that we can you know take care of people where we see a need and uh, and when we do it together as a community we're um, really creating something that's uh, uh eternally lasting thank you so much pastor will for talking with the Spectrum community and for inspiring us to look for ways to to help our fellow humans.
0: It's been a privilege and uh, hope that uh, many people can be inspired and touched to to just can reach out to their community. Um, if they'd like to make contact with me, uh, I'd be happy to, to communicate with them. Uh, Will at net is my email. Um, so and thanks for talking with us today.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: Yes, I do, Sister White. We will not fear.
1: The kingdom is alive.
0: The kingdom's on the move, with the poor, and the meek, and the hungry, and the lonely.
1: I'll never forget. It.